Last week we talked about faith stealers, things that steal our, our faith, things that stop our faith, things that, that actually steal the word which steals our faith. Everybody say faith stealers. We've been talking about how important the word is. That's really been the underlying subject for I don't know how many weeks now, that the word of God is the most important thing that we can receive in our life. It's the most important thing. I mean, God gave us his word, and we know that when we receive his word, that faith comes by hearing the word, and that the devil's main goal is to steal the word from our life. If he can steal the word, then he can steal faith. If he can steal the word, then he can steal God's direction. If he can steal the word, he can steal your, your, you know, what God's called you to do or what, what. There's so much that falls apart when the word is uprooted from our life. So much. If we were to read the parable of the sower, we know that we see that the sower sowed seed. What is the seed? It's the word of God. But the devil came to try to steal the word. And so we talked about the different types of ground that we are. All those messages are out on our podcast. I encourage you to go get them. But last week we talked about things that steal our faith. Things that steal our faith. I encourage you to go check out part one. But today I'm going to jump right in and we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And there's a lot in here. They actually call this the Faith Hall of Fame. The Faith Hall of Fame. And if you look at the first verse in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is our working definition of faith. This is the definition. If you want to know what faith is and what God considers faith to be, this is it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So sometimes people get confused. They think that hope and faith are the same thing. But here we see that faith is beyond just hope. It's the actual substance. You can leave it up there. It's actual substance of things hoped for. It's it's like it's like I I I if you ever if you ever watch a a movie, a jury movie, right, where they bring evidence forward. Have you ever seen a, a, a case where they've got somebody on trial and they're up on the booth and in the um, um, you know, everybody's there. There's lawyers on both sides. There's the defendant and all that stuff. And they, the uh, judge will always say, do you have any evidence to provide? Why do they need evidence? Because the jury wasn't there. They, they, they didn't actually see the crime committed. They need the, the, whoever's the, you know, accusing side or the defendant to defend himself, whatever. They need evidence that shows that that person did or did not do the crime. Because the jury did not see it. So faith for us is the evidence of things not seen. See, in order for us to even get saved, it requires faith. It says, the Bible tells us that by grace, you're saved through faith. That faith is that, is that transaction that says, I don't need to see God to believe that he's here. I don't need to see him. I know that he's here, and I believe that he did what he said he did. I believe that God sent his son to die for me. The Bible tells us that when, and all I have to do is believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I'm saved. But how can I do that unless I have faith? And the Bible goes on to even say that faith, that that faith is built by the preaching of the word. So this faith hall of fame, chapter 11, it goes on through so much. I want to jump to verse 6. 
Everybody see verse 6 there? It tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, the start of our relationship with God past salvation, I'm talking about because God didn't just stop at salvation. He says that, that he saved us, but to go past salvation, to have a life here on earth where we can be, love God and love people, to make disciples, to go and preach the, wor- the word into all the earth, in order to do that, we need to have a relationship with God, like, like a good one. I don't know about you guys, but I, I mean, I do this every week. This is what I'm called to do, to be a pastor and preach the word, to go out and minister to people, to, to, to invite people to church, to, to witness to people wherever I see them. Listen, I need help. I need the Holy Spirit. I need help. And it takes faith for me to trust God in that help, to, to know that God's going to help me, that if, if he called me, then he equipped me. So without faith, it's impossible for me to please him. It requires faith for me to please him. And then after this, after this verse, I don't have time to read it all. It would waste all of our time we have today. Not waste, but we'd spend all of our time going through and diving into all the men and women of God who by faith saw miracles happen in their lives or in their ministry. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Moses. By faith, Noah. By faith, and they go through and they outline in, in, in these scriptures all, that's why they call it the Faith Hall of Fame. I mean, think about the thousands of people that are mentioned in the Bible, but only a handful are mentioned right here that are great men and women of faith. What makes them different? What makes them special? But then we jump down to verse 29. Check this out. Verse 29, this is the first time we see a they. Everybody say they. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud and proud. Say They. Who is they? They is the children of Israel. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, showing us that the entire congregation of the children of Israel, which they say to be millions, by the way, had enough faith to cross the Red Sea. Now, now, to paint this picture for you, just to, to help you out, you know, God saw the children of Israel in Egypt and sent a leader to save them, to, to pull them out of captivity, to pull them out of slavery, right? And so he sent Moses to, to pull them out, to lead them out, and they crossed the Red Sea by faith. So after doing all that they did in Egypt, after all the, the, the plagues and all the miracles that God showed them in Egypt— They're now out of Egypt, and they are facing what seems to be a dead end. How many of y'all have ever faced a dead end? How many of y'all have ever faced a block? Faced a roadblock? And they're facing this Red Sea, which isn't, you know, endless like an ocean, but it seems to be impossible to pass at the moment. They don't have time to go around it. They're going to have to have a miracle. And behind them is Pharaoh, the chariots, I I can imagine that they they could hear them coming. And I think sometimes this is us in life, is that we're standing there, we've seen God move before, and we need a miracle, and we can hear the enemy behind us, and we need 
to get through this roadblock. We need to get past this roadblock. But the only way for us to get past that roadblock is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. Can you imagine what it was like to cross the Red Sea? To see the walls of water beside you not falling on you. I want you to imagine yourself walking through. It says they walked by faith. See, that's what God does. That, that's, that's how God works, is that not only will he call you to a place that you're supposed to go, but he'll provide the direction for you to get there. He'll provide the deliverance, which is the parting of the Red Sea. He'll provide the, the, the leadership, which was Moses. He'll provide everything you need. Then he'll protect you, because as soon as they got through the Red Sea, the enemy got in the Red Sea trying to follow them, and the water crashed on top of them and drown them. It all comes by faith. How great is your faith? Let's continue on with their story. They walked in the wilderness, not wandered at this point. They're walking in the wilderness from the, from the Red Sea to the edge of the promised land. That took about three years. About three years they walked. On the way, they stopped at a huge mountain and received the law. The Ten Commandments, so that they know how to live. On the way, God fed them manna, so that they had food to eat. On the way, they saw water. God provided water out of a rock, so that they wouldn't thirst. On the way, they saw miracle after miracle, after provision, after provision. They saw enemies fall at their feet. God provided everything they needed, victories over their enemies. Then they came to the edge of the promised land. And at the edge of the promised land, they didn't know exactly what to do, so they sent some spies. How many of y'all know the story? They sent some spies into the promised land to make sure that it was what God had promised, I guess, to make sure that it is what it was supposed to be, to make sure that this is, you know, to know how that they were going to do their, whatever their next step would be. And so they sent spies so they would know what they were up against. But the spies came back after 40 days, and they had a bad report. They said, the giants are too big. The walls are too fortified. I would like to, I would like to think that, that I would be the one to be able to say, guys, don't you remember? Don't you remember three years ago? Don't you remember the water coming out of the rock? Don't you remember manna from heaven? Don't you remember God leading us? Listen, don't you remember the, we heard them drown in the Red Sea. But this is what happens to us is, 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 is we're walking by faith until we see a giant. We're walking by faith. We believe God. We come to church. Everything's working on all cylinders until we see a giant. Until we see something that's too big for us and we don't know what to do. Our faith crumbles because of fear. Because we don't know how they were full of fear instead of full of faith. But not all of them. See, there were two of them that rebuttaled this. And I want to I just jump in there in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, verses 4 through 9. 
So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. This is the children of Israel. So now they've gone. They've gone from three years of walking to the promised land, and they're ready to walk back. Can you imagine? I mean, I've, I've been there for, I've been waiting for this moment. How many of y'all have waited for a promise from God to come to pass? And you're there at the edge of the promise, and they're ready to turn back. Let us get a new leader, because obviously this one that we already saw God work through, the one that God called us to, the one that's led, led us this far, obviously he's not. Something must have gone awry because I'm afraid of some giants. I'm fearful. Let's, let's get a new leader and go back. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, verse 5, before all the assembly of the congregation, verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. So here we see two spies that were different than the others. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy, the land we spied out is an exceedingly good land. I want you to say that with me. I want you to get this and picture this. Say exceedingly. Come on, say it again. Say it loud and proud. Say exceedingly. Good. That's the type of land that it was. It was exceedingly good. Not just good. Exceedingly good. Not just enough, but more than enough. Not just barely getting by paycheck to paycheck, but more than enough. It was an exceedingly good land. And they saw it. If the Lord delights in us, Joshua said, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Wow. I think Joshua had, he was on to something. He had a little bit of a different outlook than the other ones. He's saying, guys, we must not rebel against the Lord here. Look at where we are and where God has brought us from. I love this part. And this is where we're going today. Nor fear the people. Do not fear the people of the land. See, it's an exceedingly good land, but you can't be afraid of what you might have to go through to get it. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. They are bread for food, another translation says. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Say that with me. Say, do not fear them. Now say it all together with me. Say, do not fear them. This is the, this is the cry. This is the declaration that in order for us to walk by faith, there cannot be fear. I mean, think about how quickly their faith crumbled because of fear. And how often do you and I, in the midst of us trying to serve God, in the midst of us trying to follow God, that we, we lose faith because we're afraid. Because we're fearful. I want to talk to you this morning in the remainder of our time about fear and how it will steal and thwart your faith. It'll rob your faith. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. For God has not 
given us a spirit of fear. See, first of all, we need to note that fear, and I would write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, note that fear is a spirit. And I wanted to stop for a moment and, and just define the difference between fear and, and, and what we, you know, sometimes we have phrases and we have things that we say, but we don't actually mean them. For instance, we'll say like, I'm afraid of fire, but I'm not actually afraid of fire. I'm not, I'm not afraid of fire. I, you know, there's fire in my car engine. It fires the cylinders so that my engine works. I'm not afraid of fire. There's fire, you know, during the winter, I love me some s'mores. Who likes this good old s'more? I'm not afraid of fire when I need a s'more because, let me tell you what, you got to get that marshmallow good and crusty too. You know what I'm talking about? You want it good and, and melt? Come on, somebody. Y'all don't want to The fall is coming. It's almost s'more time. I, I'm, I'm getting excited here. I want it good and melted on the inside, nice and crusty, like not black, but like kind of good and brown, you know what I'm saying? And then that way when you squish the chocolate together, it, it gooey, you know what I mean? It spreads out a little bit. Come on, Samantha, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not afraid of fire. As a matter of fact, there's, there's fire at Blaze Pizza. Have you ever had Blaze Pizza in Village of San Diego? Let me tell you, that's some good pizza. And they got it, it's wood fired. They, they, they have the, the fire going in the back. I don't know how hot it is, but you can almost feel it from the counter. And they throw your pizza in there, and within just a minute or two, it's done. Just a minute or two, it's done. It's a good pizza, too. If you haven't tried it, check out Blaze Pizza. It's delicious. I'm not afraid of fire. I'm not, I'm not opposed to fire. You know what? The, the thing that I would describe it, instead of saying afraid, I would say that I respect fire. Because I'm not going to stick my hand in it. Just because I'm not afraid of it, I'm not a dummy. I'm not going to stick my hand in it. I'm not going to you know, do anything that would hurt me or injure me, right? I, I'm not a dummy. I respect fire. I understand how it works. I understand where and how I need it. And so, therefore, I'm going to let fire work for me, but I'm not afraid of it. So sometimes there's things in our life that we say we're afraid of, but what we actually mean is we respect them. What I'm talking about is a gripping fear that hinders you from what God's called you to do. For instance, if you're called to preach the gospel and you're afraid of public speaking, I want you to live by, you have to live by 2 Timothy. It says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He has not given you a spirit of fear. If you're afraid of public speaking, if you're literally, like, like it, it changes your countenance, it hinders you from what God's called you to do, that fear is from the devil. It's from the devil. It, 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 it's not of God. It is a spirit that has somehow infiltrated your life at one point or the other. And what I want to tell you today is that God gave us authority over the devil and that you can take authority over the spirit of fear and you do not have to let it operate in your life. You do not have to. As a matter of fact, he tells us what kind of spirit he gave us. Power. That word power there is dunamis. If you were to look it up, if you look up the real meaning, it's dunamis, dunamis power. That means a power that goes beyond our capabilities. I want to just throw some other scripture at you. You can leave that up there, Gage. But the Bible tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
That means that it doesn't matter what I see or what I'm afraid of or how I feel. That if God called me to do something, he equipped me to do it. And I don't have to be afraid or fearful or let, or let a, a spirit hold me back from what God's called me to do. If he called me to do it, then I can do it. Then I've, I can overcome that fear. I can get past that fear. I can move past that obstacle. I can move into what God called me to do. And I don't have to let fear grip me and hold me back. Sometimes I have to hold my girls back. I've been teaching them, especially Kaylee. Madison can walk, but we don't let her wander much. But Kaylee likes to wander now. She's two and a half. I have to hold her back. Come on, Miss Sherelle, you know what I'm talking about. You got to teach these kids not to, not to run out in the street. When they start to go out in the street, what do you tell them? No, no, no. And so sometimes while I'm putting Madison in the car, if I'm by myself, how many of y'all know that us dads, yeah, I see you shaking your head, Chris. Come on, you know. Sometimes we need a little help. Y'all pray for us. If you don't have kids, you'll see what I'm talking about one day. But, but as I'm putting Madison, our younger one, in the car seat, I can't hold on to Kaylee. And so I have to teach her, you can't go, you can't go out there, I have to hold her back. Right? I have to hold her back. And every once in a while, she'll go to wander, and I'll have to literally try to hold on to Madison and snatch her and hold her back. See, that's what the devil, now that's a good analogy, but what I'm trying to tell you is that's the way the devil will snatch us back from what God's calling us to do. He will hold you back. He will grip you and hold you back from where fear is a gripping thing. And if you're, if you're afraid of, 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 for instance, if you're afraid of talking to people, how can you fulfill the Great Commission? I just don't, I don't, I don't like talking to people. I get uncomfortable in front of people. That is not of God. That is not power, love, and a sound mind. So you need the power of God to help you love God and love people. And then this, verse, this, this scripture here, that, that word sound mind, it, it actually translates to sound mind or another way they could have translated it. And sound mind is definitely applicable, but so is the words self-control. Think about that. God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Of a sound mind, meaning that my mind, that I can control myself, that God gave me the ability to control myself. Which means that it doesn't matter what's in front of me. If God tells me I can do it, then I can do it. But how does that work? By faith. That means that when I come up and I'm coming on the promised land, and, and I look into the promised land, and I see some giants, I can't be afraid. I don't have room for fear. I don't have room. I, I've got to move into what God called me to move into, and I don't have room for, the, for, for, for fear to hold me back. The, the, the children of Israel were so afraid, they were willing to go back to slavery. We do this to ourselves. We let fear send us back to what God already delivered us from. God has called you. You are beautifully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are wonderfully made. You have a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. What are you doing right now, Pastor JT? I'm building your faith with the word. See, as I, all I'm doing is quoting scripture. All I'm doing is quoting scripture. But as it gets into you, something should be building on the inside of you that says, you know what? He's right. 
And he's right because he's just quoting the word. And if God's word tells me that I'm that, then that's what I am. And that's why it's so important that we have the Spirit of God with us all the time because the, the Bible tells us the Spirit of God will call things to our remembrance, that he'll help us, rem, he'll remind us of things, he'll remind us of the Word of God. Do you know that when Jesus was tempted, think about this. Y'all know the story? Jesus was tempted. He went out. He was fasting. He was, he was, he was weak in his body. The devil took that opportunity to test him. How many of y'all have been tested by the devil? How did Jesus combat him? How did Jesus go at the devil? How did Jesus, he used the word. He used the word. He wasn't afraid. He used the word. If you want to know how to combat fear, the number one way is with the word. Sometimes we say things we don't mean like we say I'm afraid of something, but what we mean is we respect it. So fear that robs you of what God has called you to do is the type of fear that we shouldn't have. God did not call us. I would write this down. Put this out on social media if you want to. God did not call us to be paralyzed by fear. He gave us the spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. You know, the Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes we have to fight. I want to tell you one more story as we wrap up. You know, Jesus one time went out and met the disciples. They were on a boat, and he walked on water. How many of y'all heard the story? How many of y'all have ever been fishing? A few of you have been fishing. How many of y'all have ever been on a cruise ship? Cruise? Okay. So who has not, just so I know, who has not been on a cruise? Who's not been on a cruise? Okay. A few of you. All right, just quickly to, to specify, for those of us that have been on a cruise, you'll know that you can feel the boat moving when it's, when it's a good, good storm. And at night, the boat goes faster. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can feel the boat moving. All right, now, I don't know what type of sea they were in in Matthew. This is, uh, we read the story in Matthew 14. But in Matthew 14, we see the disciples are on the boat, and it's obviously a storm, and Jesus was not on the boat. He, was, he stayed behind to pray, but he meets them by walking on the water. They get afraid when they see him. They become afraid. But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Here we have the promise. Jesus says, come. That's all Peter needed was one word. One word from God, come. That said, everything Peter needed to know, come, I'll sustain you. Come, I'll help you. Come, I'll get you over here. And Peter, I don't know how he thought he was going to get over there. Think about that. Jesus didn't say, come walk. He just said, come. If I'm Peter, am I going to levitate? Am I going am I mean, to be like Star Trek and all of a sudden beam me up, Scotty, and I'm over there? How's it going to be? I don't know. But he takes a step of faith and steps out of the boat. And he begins to actually walk on water. Can you imagine? Again, those of us that have been out and seen those big seas and big waves walking on water like that. This isn't like a little pond behind your house. This is a sea with waves. And, and there was, there was, there was like... The Bible describes this as tumultuous, like there, there, were, there was um, wind and waves and the sea was rocking. And so as he gets close to Jesus, what happened? He took his eyes off. He looked at the waves and fear killed his faith. And Jesus actually told him, Peter, oh, you of little faith. Why was he all of a sudden of little faith? He was the only one, at least he got out the boat. 
But yet he was of little faith. I, I guess that makes the ones back in the boat no faithers. I don't know. But I mean, oh ye of little faith. He began to sink and Jesus had to pull him up and save him. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. If you want to know how to overcome your fear, number one, you got to have the word. You got to have the word in you and you've got to combat the fear with the word. This verse that we have had up on the screen for the last 20 minutes, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If you battle with fear, I would repeat this verse. I would have it in front of you. I would keep it on your, on your heart as often as you can. Quote this thing. Make it not just something that you quote, but something that you live. Something that becomes a part of who you are. God did not give me a spirit of fear. I can't, I can't act fearful. I don't have time. I can't get delayed in what God called me to do. And I can't go backwards to Egypt. I've got to go into the promised land. So that means that, listen, if, if, if Jacob and, and Caleb say we can make it, if Joshua and Caleb say we can make it, then we can make it. But if you read the rest of the story of the children of Israel, they turn back. They actually wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. O ye of little faith. Number one, you got to have the word. See, Joshua and Caleb had the word. If you were to really study this out, Joshua actually repeated the words of Moses. God will give us the land and deliver it to us. He repeated the word. He had the word in him. you got to have the word to overcome your fear. Number two, number two, you've got to speak to it and build your faith up. You need to confess over your life. The, the scriptures and speak to it. Matthew 14. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. This is jumping back to Peter. Y'all stay with me. And immediate Jesus, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Keep, number three, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that, JT? I believe that the reason God gave us the Holy Spirit, Jesus said it himself, right, that, that he gave us the Holy Spirit because he couldn't be here with us anymore. Walk in the Spirit. Live a Spirit-led life, a Spirit-filled life. How do you do that? Well, well, number one, you can't have in your life what the Spirit wouldn't be, be happy with. We have to work on ourselves. We have to work on things. I, I, I would rather not listen to any music than listen to something that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, God, the Bible's clear. God will not leave us and forsake us, but we can, we cannot listen to God. We have free, we have free will. We can, we can put ourselves in a position where God can't speak to us or that we can't hear him. I should say it that way, where we can't hear him. We put ourselves in that position. Keep yourself in a position. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep the spirit of God where you can keep yourself where you can hear from the spirit of God. Keep yourself in position where you can hear from the Spirit of God. Because if he tells you to come, then you can walk on water. If he tells you to come, then he'll provide whatever you need to get from the boat to where Jesus is. If he tells you to come, then that means he's got something good for you, and you don't have to worry about the waves. You don't have to worry about the sea. You don't have to worry about whatever may cause you fear. God gave you the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. That means that you can, t you can take the leap of faith, you can take a step of faith, and you can end up right where God called you to be.
God does not want you to live in fear. He did not call us to be paralyzed by fear. Do not live in fear. Do not walk in fear. You're not a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. You have self-control. God gave us that spirit. Build up your spirit, man. How do you how do you do that? With the word of God. How do you renew your mind? With the word of God. Why do you keep talking about the word of God? Because the word will change you. It will grow you. It will develop you. Well, how do I read the word? Just start somewhere. Sometimes I think that we look, can I use your Bible for, I, I have an iPad, and so I'm just, sorry, you can leave it, okay. Sometimes we look at all of these pages and we think, how can I get through all that? I want to give you just something real practical. Start in the book of John. Just start in the book of John. Start in the book of John, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. Start in the book of John and read from there. Read Acts which is the start of the church. Read the epistles, which are letters to you and me, letters to the church. Start in the book of John, and when you get, don't feel like you have to read it all today. Don't feel like everything, God loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. And so the word of God will help us change and help us shift and help us grow and help us move. So start somewhere, but don't feel like you have to, to all of a sudden be a pastor tomorrow. Maybe God just called you to be a good student right now, a good worker, a good coworker, a good boss, a good employee, a good husband, a good wife, a good mom, a good dad. Maybe we just need to start with analyzing our own faith because if you have something that's, that, that fear is gripping you and it's holding you back, you can't be in faith and in fear at the same time or in fear and faith, it doesn't work that way. To walk by faith, you've got to be able to know that these walls of the Red Sea are not going to come down on me. And if God called me to the other side, if he called me to the promised land, then he's going to hold up these walls all the way till I get there. Amen? Live by faith. The Bible tells us the just shall live by faith. Say that with me as we close. Say the just shall live by faith.